Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Social Antics, another marketing podcast. We're in episode four now, I think, Dave? Yeah, Um, in episode four, struggling through it. Struggling through. How's things been? Oh, it's a catastrophe at the moment. Like, I mean, in reality, uh, like for me as an academic, I'm getting sick of teaching in front of screens, essentially. I presume presume you mean the whole level three in the lockdown. Oh, it's absolutely, it's it's catastrophic. I mean, like, again, when you're in, when you're lecturing, it's all about a performance, like, and you get to interact with the students. There's none of that at the moment. It's all online. It's all very diluted. So that's horrible. And then just in general, business is struggling at the moment. Like, I've got, um, I'm involved in a high potential startup, which our main clients are hospitality sector. So that's so that the one. Well, yeah. So the, the the breaks have been firmly put on that, and then other businesses are just again they're, they're struggling. They're busy, but they're really really struggling. So, but look, c'est la vie. That's tough, life. Tough time. Tough time. Uh, we'll kick into the news anyway this week. Um, I suppose I'll kick it off first. The, the the thing that caught my eye over the last few days was Facebook is after rebranding and kind of adding a few new features onto the whole messenger app um, it's another move that for the last few months they've kind of been updating this obviously due to COVID and what's been going on but recently they've after adding rooms collaborative video viewing personalised stickers customisable uh, emoji response bar and chat teams and basically just making it all more colourful more engaging when you go and use it I don't see much of a change have you had a look at it I had a look at it no change yeah. it's not a massive same change thing. it's more colourful it's more <laughs> colourful it's more playful yeah it's the same but they've been doing that a bit recently like the the rebrand that they did a number of months ago was when they rebranded Instagram where at the when you open up Instagram first it's now Instagram by Facebook yeah they have all the logos on the bottom which is an absolutely like that's like having an advertising saying Porsche by Volkswagen. And it's very quick. I mean? You don't see it. It's very, very quick. You'd have to be looking for it. Yeah, exactly. But um, they came out and stated that our new logo reflects uh, a shift to the future of messaging, a more dynamic, fun and integrated way to stay connected to the people you're close to. They've added the colour purple. Basically. basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a gradient uh, logo on it. Uh, they also came out and said that basically 10 million, 10 million people customise their conversations every day. So we know that personalisation is important when it comes to how you connect. Together with new delight features with selfie stickers and um, uh, that are called that and a vanish mode that is coming soon, making your chats fun and personalized has never been easier. Basically, going down the route of personalization and look, it is very very important now to the times we're in. As I said, you know, there's more connectivity through online platforms, so all the all the platforms are probably in competition with each other to see where the attention is going to be. Yeah, but it's all like I, I I really dread the phrase that you use there. People are customizing their discussions. Like, isn't that oh, yeah, what they a make one? Make it look pretty. Like, if you're going to be spending so much time on it every day, they're they're putting a bit of a team on the background. They're putting a bit of work into it just because you've no one to talk to. Put it <laughs> except except for you. <laughs> except once, for me, yeah. once a week, once yeah. a week in the panic mode before we. But come it's on. but it's weird. Like I I just find it very like I mean I notice one feature of the um of the of the change was that they now allow you to have like a default emoji sort of they're using an emoji so much you just click it as opposed to going into your emojis and then point it out and 
it reminds you of the way things are going at the moment which is where a lot of the platforms are finishing your sentences for you yeah and i just find that really really again depressing as well but it's just like oh what are you doing like i mean even if you go on to um if you want to linkedin and someone sends you a message you have the pre-authorized responses as in we can't even be bothered Mm. to think anymore about having a legitimate response we're letting linkedin respond for us so the same with gmail gmail is now finishing your emails again i know it's all about saving time productivity and all that kind of stuff but it just seems a bit you know yeah seems a bit kind of bland really not not interesting and pop up for you this week um, I suppose the main one there was Facebook have started to crack the whip a small bit in terms of censoring uh, content on their site. Um, so like as we know over the last, well since Facebook has been has been in the world essentially, Facebook have, has always said that we do not want to limit free speech or we do not want to be the sheriff in charge of our platform. Whatever message people want to send out there, we are going to let them send out that content. And in the last month, they've started to kind of censor content as it's appearing on their site. So by way of of example, um, the Advanced New Zealand Party in in New Zealand, obviously, um, which is kind of a really extremist right-wing party, they've had all of their content banned from Facebook. Facebook had said, no, this is extremist, Um, it's sensationalised, it's polarised, we're not allowing this, this, this... this content to be posted anymore now i think what's really interesting about that and it kind of shows you the power of facebook to these extreme parties on the margins so if you look at the actual data behind it if you look at all the content over the last number of months that has been shared by the um, or that has been posted by the advanced new zealand uh, political party their content has been shared um approximately one hundred fifty thousand times on facebook if you combine all of the other mainstream parties in New Zealand, their total shares on the platform is just over 100,000. And the Advanced New Zealand Party only has 1% support in the country. So again, it shows you that if you've got extreme views and people are angry about it, Facebook fuels that hate and it gives these parties a voice that they otherwise would not have. Of course it does. It's just playing into, like we've talked already about the algorithm. So whether it's good, bad or indifferent, whatever the whatever's happening... If it's sharing, if it's getting engagement, if it's building traction, if it's going viral, whatever it is, Facebook's going to reward it. Yeah, exactly. So in this particular instance, they cited misinformation about the coronavirus as the reason that they um, they took down the content. Um, But they've done it a few other times this week as well. So the New York Post... Um, posted an article this week which uh, with misleading information about Joe Biden saying that he was involved in corruption Absolutely. and again Facebook have banned that content from being shared um, they also announced that they were going to ban any advertising on um, from anti-vaxxers um, in terms of why vaccines or why a potential coronavirus vaccine may be bad for you um, so then that's another thing that they're going to do and amazingly and this like it's shocking that we're in the year 2020 and Facebook is only doing this now, but Facebook have also said that they are going to be taking down posts from Holocaust deniers, which again is just an insane thing for me to be saying in for the biggest media yeah. company in the world to saying that they're going to now stop giving a platform to Holocaust deniers. As if it just, just incre- popped up. As if it just kind of popped up. It's incredible. Like, and again, it just shows you how dangerous Facebook is and how asleep at the wheel Facebook has been for years and years and years. And again, it was the result of Brexit. It was the result of Trump. Like the damage has been done this is maybe mitigating against some of that damage or they're starting to they're starting to change but it's 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 too late like they should have made these changes years ago it'll be interesting to see now if they touch anything in terms of political especially with 
the election coming up in America. Trump. I know they said that they were going to start banning some political advertising, I think, in the day before and immediately after, okay. um, or something like that. But I mean, what I think, to be honest with you, what I think is happening here is that Trump obviously loves Twitter, Facebook, the sensational uh, platform that they yeah. give him. I think they're kind of worried, okay, Big Joe is coming, he's coming to the White House, and he's not going to be taking he's not going to be taking the shit that that um, that Trump did for the last number of years so I think they're kind of saying damage limitation if we don't do something ourselves the government the US government are going to make us do stuff um, that we don't necessarily want to do so look so it'll be interesting to see how it how it progresses but look I'm not giving Facebook any compliments here they should have done this years ago Um, this is just a thing that should be built into their platform simple as that uh, something probably running alongside that happened in Pakistan and they decided this uh, over the last few days that they banned TikTok. Um, basically, the Pakistan Telecommunication Authority came out and said that after receiving so many complaints about immoral and indecent content that they decided to ban it. Well, first they actually issued it with a warning, uh, giving them time to respond and comply with instructions that were set out. But TikTok failed to fully comply with the with the telecommunication authority and basically they were banned um they have apparently left the door open as they're saying for re-engagement but that only will come with uh tiktok reviewing the app and making um moderation more of a key um but yeah no it's it's banned it's banned in tiktok but when you hear that now it's so apparently it's been downloaded 39 million times in pakistan but when you look at 35 percent of the 212 million citizens to have access to the internet it's not that much so it's not a big big loss I suppose to TikTok uh, well look I mean I don't of think of course look immoral content I'm not sure people dancing along to funny videos or catchy videos is what I would consider immoral I'd say the, the barometer there is slightly different now mm. in Pakistan and it's not the I first it's not the first country either India is also banned it and obviously we knew what was happening with, with America recently that the, they were planning on banning it there but but in Pakistan there's been so the um, so Facebook Twitter and Google have a bit of alliance when it comes to Pakistan so reading a little bit about this during the week because I didn't really know that much about it but Pakistan doesn't really have that many uh, laws or policies related to data protection so recently Pakistan kind of introduced what they're calling censorship laws which would basically allow them to pick and choose what content would be allowed on Facebook what people could search for on Google and stuff like that Mm. Twitter, Facebook and Google basically came together and said our platforms don't work this way Um, so it's it's actually interesting given the conversation that we just had in terms of I think the country should be clamping down on these tech companies in terms of the content that's been put up online. But in this particular case, obviously the type of content that the Pakistani government is taking down is different to what I would view as yeah. a Westerner as being something that should be censored. So course, it's, it's just it's interesting the difference in the cultures and the different approaches yeah. the different countries are taking to, to these tech companies. No, definitely. It depends on, it, as you said, it depends on the country you're in and what the social laws and social, I suppose, um, ideals and morals are in that country. That's essentially it, yeah. Yeah. Anything else pop up for you? Um, the only other one there, I suppose, for me really was um, iPhone 12 launched. Um, and on the day that it launched, Apple had an intraday loss of $81 billion. Small money. Small money, which is, uh, to be fair, it's about 2.7% of their overall market capitalization that they but, lost. So it's, it's not small. I saw that they did lose more and they, they got it down they to clawed it a bit back. Yeah, they clawed it back a little bit. They clawed it back a little bit. But I mean, I suppose it was, I thought it was a bit kind of like, look, it was a bit... 
it's always strange when you have a company launching a new product like Apple, who have a massive track record in the market. And again, two billion, two billion dollar company, or two sorry, two trillion dollar company. Um, but in this particular case, it just hasn't worked out for them. I think a lot of people were slating them online because they said it, um, the iPhone twelve was very very similar to the iPhone five, I believe, in terms of its shape. And there wasn't really, I suppose, with the exception of five G, and the majority of the population don't know what five G is or how it's going to how it's going to impact them. So there wasn't anything kind of new, exciting, sexy in relation to the release. Like I know they've got um, they've got better camera and stuff like that, thinner, faster download speeds, all that kind of stuff that you would expect. But there wasn't any wow factor for me in terms of the the launch in and of itself, with the exception of five G. But I think the majority of the population don't really know what that means for them. And so there wasn't that much excitement about it. It just doesn't surprise me. A typical, I, we mentioned in the last podcast, I am not an Apple user. So I have no intention of going out and even looking at what the features are of it. But uh, it, it's just another phone that's going to... Uh, well it's a no it's a bit more no look it's a bit more than that like i mean to be fair with 5g it is going to enhance technology in terms of the power of things like augmented reality 5g is incredibly important for automated vehicles into the future and um, it's going to make fitness uh, trackers and stuff like that a lot more advanced and enhance those but again the actual practical i mean that's the theory no, but what no, the no practical usage the, the is 5G. I'm an issue with the phone. <laughs> oh, the phone! I don't like the phone. I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not a big tech tech. No, you're an all. Apple user. I'm an Apple Just user, but I'm not. I'm not one of the cults, shall we say? I'm not one of the cults of Macintosh. Am I right in saying that I hear something about a charger? No charger, no headphones. No charger. Yeah, no, no, headphones. no headphones. No charger. No charger. Well, everything now is the wireless. The wireless charger now, like so, they don't have. The, they don't need the jack necessarily. But yeah, no, I think I think it's ridiculous. Um, is... like I mean, Apple dressed it up in terms of it's good for the environment. But I'd also reckon it's pretty good for their margin as well. Like, do you know what I mean? Looking smaller at profitability. Box. Smaller box. They obviously don't have to build as many charge less hardware. Um, so look, it's look, it's it's again for me it's a it's a very basic thing. I wouldn't buy a phone if it didn't come with a charger. Like and now I'm old school, the kids I love it of course. Um <laughs> it's like some fella I saw a parody video there on YouTube and it was actually done by one of my students and they were talking about how technology evolves so quickly. Um and they did basically a video whereby um, three guys go into a gym and two of them have AirPods on and the other fella has just the normal headphones and one of them turns around to the other fella and goes, hey, you're poor, your headphones have a wire. <laughs> so it just, it just shows you like over a very short space of time how things evolve in terms of what is seen as the, the norm in terms yeah. of what you should buy. But, um, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, perfect. So moving on to this week's uh, focus topic around the area of whether you should go with an agency or whether you should have someone in-house. I suppose following on from all the recent um, episodes that we were talking about, uh, especially the first one about continuing your marketing throughout COVID, is probably something that we've probably been asked on the group um, or both asked individually over the last uh, couple of weeks. What should people do in terms of their marketing? I think it is a bit, it's a bit of a burning topic at the moment because if like... A lot of business owners, even though they are doing marketing, shall we say, there's often not a strategy or a plan um, or kind of objectives associated with that. They're just kind of doing it as part of the normal course of business. Um, 
And I think it's a real stumbling block for people because people almost, and it's one of the questions I would get asked most yeah. um, if I was doing an MBA class or I was doing an adult course or I was doing a talk at a conference or something like that. One of the main questions that you're asked by small, medium business owners or startups is, where do I start? Or what, should I go in an agency? Or should I go in an agency? Should, do you know what I mean? So what do I, how do I navigate this? How do I navigate this process? And I suppose it it's challenging for businesses because the answer is it depends. Yeah. For me anyway, it's always it depends. And I think it's important to say as well, so whether the two of us or individually on projects we've both worked on, we have worked with companies solely, the two of us, and we've also worked with agencies on behalf of companies um, so I think we, we kind of come at it seeing from both sides, you know, so we, you know, seeing both sides of the experience, I suppose. Yeah, no, entirely. And look, I like, I think that you do, and again, depends on what you're using an agency for. If you're using an agency for a kind of a, a one-off campaign where you want them to do a little bit of creative and then tie that in with a Facebook ad campaign and maybe you're doing your digital out of home and you're doing billboards or newspaper or something like that. Then the agency is fine as a kind of a as a one off, uh, depending on your cost base, and um, because you're not going to get in like you're like a full time marketer just to deal with a one off campaign. Let's say you were launching a new store or something like that. If you were a local business, but if you are looking to develop an actual plan or an actual strategy, I think your agency involvement you need to think really really carefully about the agency. You need to think about the skills that that agency has because like every marketing agency is not equal in terms of what their capability and what their capacity is in terms of delivering on projects. And then it's also, how do you manage this project in-house? Because I feel like if you're a client of an agency, you're going you're gonna to know more about your business than they ever will. So you have to be on top of via project manager, a consultant who knows more about your business. You need some linkage there, I think, between the agency and between your business in terms of how that relationship is going to work, yeah. how the comms are going to work, what are the deliverables. Understanding what success means, I think, is really, really important in establishing from the outset of, um, of any project. Um, and I think that comes down to your scoping. And that's what I would say to anyone when they are looking to get um, to start on a marketing plan strategy, start off with your scope. What do you want to achieve? What are the resources that you have? What is the overall objective? And once you understand though that, then work backwards in terms of how's the best way to achieve these particular goals. I think they're going to even a little bit more. So obviously coming from my end of things being more on the kind of practical element and actually working with uh, small and medium businesses locally, I am always an advocate for having someone in-house. I think obviously look, it depends on the business's budget and obviously things are kind of gone belly up recently with, um, with COVID and you know trying to see where you can put your money in your budgets. But I don't think anyone can talk about your business as well as you can or someone in your business. Obviously, it's very hard then for an owner-driven business to be managing the social media and coming up with campaigns and dealing with designers or whatever it is. But I think it's very, very important to have someone in-house because, they, as I said, you, you can't rely on someone else to speak about your business as well as you can. And obviously, someone coming in from any business owner, if you're getting someone in, you should make sure that they have a, a, an induction period where they learn everything they can learn about your business and are able to speak about your product or your brand as well as you can. Would you agree with that? Oh no, hundred percent. It's the first thing that I say to any 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 student or anyone who I'm talking about um, who I'm talking about going to a job. 
first thing that you should do if you're working on the floor you're working in marketing you're working whatever first thing you should be doing is getting to know the finance guys get to know the sales guys get to know the commercialization element of that company if you don't understand the company's business model and how it works and how you deliver your product to market then how can you possibly go and develop a marketing strategy and how can you possibly integrate an agency within your organization do you know what I mean but I think so just to give to, to go into a bit of the kind of the nitty gritty of this shall we say in terms of agencies and not agencies and stuff like that so for example I'm working on a project at, at, at the moment where there's a national well some sort of an international retailer um, in that they've got a local store but they're selling everything that they have through their Facebook page as well and it's all over the phone so in a COVID world they decided let's invest heavy in an e-commerce website so involved in that whole process it's a huge project so you're not just looking at developing a website you're looking at developing a website getting the e-commerce platform integrated within that overall website you're looking at integrating your epos system with your e-commerce site so that your stock matches up and so you can track everything across all of your stores across your warehousing and you then need a marketing strategy or an outreach strategy to make sure that you're reaching the right customers via google search facebook ads instagram ads and pr whatever that kind of element is in that particular environment there is no real unless now you're going to one of the mega global agencies like uncommon now or um or uh, vayner media or any of these kind of guys the global guys if you're going for a kind of a national player it is very very rare that you will come across an agency that covers all of those different strands they might be experts in e-commerce but then they won't have the expertise in terms of um, your EPOS system, for example, and how that integration might happen and how that then links in with your overall supply chain. So that's where I think having a, a kind of a consultant or a more generalist marketer or a strategist in place becomes very, very important. And that could be a consultant or it could be a marketer in-house or it could be just the owner of a business or a manager within a business who is given kind of project lead on that so that they can see all the different things that go on in a business and if agency over here might think something is going brilliantly but if that conflicts with your supply chain or conflicts with your EPOS system or how you run your retail outlet or their resources that they're used to working with isn't how you run things that then is a, is a big issue it's a big challenge I think even what you're saying there now is probably even probably even more top heavy than what a lot of marketing practitioners will go into like in terms of the strategy and not not top heavy but I suppose getting someone that's in the nitty gritty side of things in the day to day running, you know, coming up with a website or as you were saying, you know, an e commerce platform, they they don't come along every day. So having someone that's the day to day running of the business, you know, you might get someone in then or on a consultancy basis for the bigger projects or, you know, the bigger campaigns. But I'm even on about the day to day running of the business. You know, you you can't rely on someone else to do that. I think. No, I don't. No, I think no. And to be fair, no, I agree with that. In terms of the day to day running, relying on an agency who's going to give you what is it like they'll say will will give you ten posts, 10 posts a month or will yeah. monitor. Again, that doesn't really do it for me. Like, I mean, you're and again, we're both of the opinion that social media is meant to be social in terms yeah. of the content that's produced. If you're just relying on an agency, they're just going to be going through the the brochure almost, the standard going, graphics. There's going to be nothing social, nothing interesting, nothing interactive there. Unless, again, you're spending the mega bucks on getting someone to go into your business a few times a week with a camera and videoing yeah. stuff. Do you know what I mean? That absolute content creation role, but very few SMEs can, can afford that realistically. You touched on it there. Like, I think when you go... Now, I'm not slating all agencies. I'm saying some of them are very, very good at what you do. As you said, there might be some more based towards content creation, but the kind of run-of-the-mill, I suppose, even um, 
opinion that a lot of agencies will go down the route of, as you said, 10 posts, and it becomes just very stock. It just looks, it's like, you know, you take a, a template off the shelf from another business that you worked with as an agency and you apply it to this business, you know, and there's no creativity around each company that you work with or, you know, really integrating what they do and what they stand for. And it just doesn't happen when it comes to an agency sometimes. But regardless of that, it goes back to what I was saying at the start. It all comes back to what your objective is as a marketer, as a company, as a business. Um, if your objective is is very, very minimal brand building, maybe you're at capacity, maybe yeah. you're happy where you're at as a business, you're not necessarily looking to grow, then just having that stock content going out for a lot of people is fine. Now, I don't agree with it, again, if you're trying to grow your business, but I think where the agencies become really, really useful is that they have loads of different experts in multiple different areas under the one roof. So, for example... If you're going back to that example that I'm giving you about the um, the e-commerce site that um, that I'm building at the moment, and I'm the project leading consultant on that particular on that particular project, the agency that we're working with has specialists in search engine optimization. Not that they'll be doing it on a regular basis, but just to get them started, to give them templates to work off in terms of product descriptions, in terms of what will go into your meta descriptions on a website. Um, in terms of how to conduct basic keyword research to identify SARPs and so on and so forth. Um, you've got designers in there. You've got back-end developers who can integrate with the EPOS system and build the actual e-commerce site. You've got front-end designers who are going to make the website look slick or immersive, as I like to call it. When someone lands on your website, they, they should want to purchase from it or they should want yeah. to stay on it. Um, but then you've got me in the business working on the strategy and you've also got a project manager in the business working alongside me who's full time they're kind of in a they're um they're basically a kind of a um a, an office administrator the business manager effectively yeah. is what they're doing and they also take care of some of the marketing in terms of content creation um on the day and again they do great work but that kind of messy equation works for that business because they can't afford to bring someone in full time but yet they have allocated the resources towards content creation in-house whilst also relying on the expertise externally that they would never be able to bring in-house and again I would be like again if you're a small business and someone comes up to you and they says oh yeah I'll build I'll build a website for you and I'll do the e-commerce and I'll integrate and I'll do the e-pass and stuff like that something is going to go wrong because no one that I've ever come across has all of those skills they might be okay at some of them of but they'll never be experts at, at all of them and you need that yeah. but it's like as, as you know we've seen plenty of even marketing roles um up for grabs you know in terms of job adverts and all that kind of stuff and it's very much you must have experience in content creation you must have experience in running social media you yeah, must have experience yeah, yeah. in e-commerce you must have experience in web management you know and you photoshop. must be able to photoshop after effects video Every, editing, everything, everything. Like, you know and you, i think from a business point of view they really need to sit and understand what a marketing manager role is what um, a social media manager role is what you know a PR role is what all these kind of things and, and actually realize that you, it is very, as you said it's very very hard to find someone that ticks all those boxes and that's why to me again I'll say it over and over again it comes back to your objectives as a business and how you go about achieving those objectives there's no point in a marketer in-house um, doing email campaigns if those are not critical to you achieving certain key performance indicators associated with you generating business revenue. There's just not. At the same time, I've seen businesses who have huge marketing teams and some of them are just doing email marketing. And I'm kind of going, 
what do you do all day? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And for, again, for one newsletter. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, exactly. And again, I'm not saying like, I mean, there is certain businesses depending on their size where you do need a dedicated email uh, marketing manager or you do need someone dedicated to um, Facebook advertising, whatever. But again, with the majority of SMEs, you don't have that oh. flexibility. And what I would always say to people is that, yeah, you need the resources in place in terms of personnel. And I'm big on people in terms of getting the right team in place. And once you get the right team in place, you can achieve huge things. But when you're looking to hire someone else in, if you're spending 30, 35 grand on hiring in another marketing executive or an, or an email marketing manager, that's 30 grand that isn't going into content creation. Yeah. Or it isn't going into distribution of your ads on Facebook. Do you know what I mean? So there is a very, very delicate balancing act that goes on here in terms of matching again your objectives with your resources within an overall business strategy and in terms of what how marketing can help you achieve your business goals i think it's another thing to talk about there is you everything we've kind of talked about so far is very very digital oriented yeah and a lot of agencies now even you know new agencies that are starting up left right and center there seems to be kind of it's a trend to come up with a marketing agency kind of a thing or a digital marketing agency Mm. but I think the old school agencies that everyone would know in terms of marketing obviously came from purely from a traditional point of view where it's your print, your ad, your radio, whatever it is, probably a lot of um, a lot of old school marketing uh, heads coming into that. But do you think that they're able to make that transition into, into digital? Some of them have, some of them haven't. Um, like I've dealt with, and again, I'd be very, very picky and choosy. It, it is very rare that I would have a business that would only work with one agency yeah. I would typically have multiple and it's not even agencies it's people within agencies that I tend to kind of do a pick and mix on um, because again like you and we've all heard of them there are agencies out there who were very very traditional and they have just gravitated over into digital without really understand being very proficient in it Um and or, again, or, they get away with or it. Or without bringing in a specialist. Correct, yeah, exactly. In digital marketing. And, that, and that's where your consultant is really important then so they can actually call out, no, that, that doesn't work. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, and again, like, there are some traditional agencies who have been incredible. And in a lot of cases, actually, some of the traditional agencies that have pivoted are some of the best in the business because they still look at things like strategy, brand, creative messaging, whereas a lot of the digital agencies now are almost too digital and they forget about the, the creative piece in exactly. between. Yeah. So again, it's a mismatch. For me, it's it's all down to understanding, again, what your objectives are and then linking it back to what specific needs you have to execute this particular campaign, e-commerce project, maybe it's PR, whatever the case may be. So I think it comes down to... It really comes down to what you want to do for your for your business. I think you you touched on a point there that you will go to certain. I'd be definitely the same. You go to certain agencies or companies because you deal with a specific person in there and yeah. you know the skills they have and the experience that they've had. Maybe they've moved from one company to another and you you move your experience with them. But what I don't like sometimes when you go to an agency is you could be dealing with ten different people. You know, you every whatever time of the day you call or whatever day of the week you call, you're passed on to someone else, and you don't have a, a relationship with a person in there. And I think that's what sometimes a lot of agencies miss out on that they don't have some whether they have the experience or not, but then they consult with the back end team in terms of bringing your project. I don't want to deal with absolutely everyone. Sometimes I think it depends. I think it depends, right? So if I was if I was a business manager um, and I wasn't a marketer, I would want an account manager on the agency side. And I would want uh, them to be communicating everything yeah, backwards. From me, because as a consultant, I almost want to be the project manager. Therefore, I want to be talking 
to all these different people because messages get lost in translation between me, the account manager. Again, the more layers you have in any communication channel, the more diluted or the more contorted the message. Exactly. Yeah. So again, again, it comes down to how a project is to how a project is managed. But no, absolutely, like you should never be dealing with ten people in an agency. Um, unless again, you know how to talk these to speak with these people. Like I mean, realistically, should you be talking about like if you're a business owner, should you be spending hours and hours on end talking with an SEO marketing manager on the specificities, your own technical SEO. No, because you're not going to know what they're talking about. You deliver what you want to achieve to the account manager and then they talk tech to the technical SEO guy in the background. So again, it depends on what, um, it, it depends on what you want and what your needs are for a particular project or for a particular, um, for a particular business. But expertise, like having expertise and scoping is so so important and I realise that I'm repeating myself here quite a lot because you don't want a scenario where you go to an agency and you give them a carte blanche white slate in terms of what they think you want and you need you to be well very... handing them a blank check oh absolutely 100% well. um, and agencies like they are they are expensive and they're worth it if you get a good one yeah. um, but if you get a bad one you can be you can be torn to pieces Like, and again it's down to expertise I remember dealing with an agency years ago and they said that they were specialising in web development. Well, my God, what they produced it <laughs> went straight on the bonfire. It was it was appalling. And they were promoting themselves as a web agency. Do you know what I mean? Um, and again, it's having it's it's understanding the tricks of the trade as well and knowing people. So I remember about, this was years ago, about eight years ago, I'd say, I was involved in a branding project. So new tech startup. Uh, they needed logo um, uh, brand guidelines content creation all that kind of stuff needed to go into to go into this and they didn't have any funding or anything at the time really um, they were kind of uh, bootstrapping it and I remember speaking to again an agency who said that they specialised in branding for tech startups and they quoted it's something like and they quoted <laughs> well no it was one of their specialisations okay, obviously right. <laughs> And uh, it was around the time when tech startups were like the, the thing. thing. Everyone was everyone was an entrepreneur. Everyone was it's still the case nowadays, yeah. I suppose. But um, but they quoted forty five grand for the overall project, and the company I advised against it. The company eventually ended up getting funding, and they ended up paying the forty five grand. Whereas, like we use some of the same designers, and I can guarantee you would get the same result for two grand three grand yeah. from working with guys that you know and much and much more um, personal interaction with that person as well you'll actually have more of a, an input and they will have more of an input in terms of offering their opinions not so much a way with you come back do what you want done. yeah yeah no entirely now again some agencies are brilliant they'll bring you in they'll do the focus groups um, with you your coffee. team <laughs> give you a coffee a nice coffee um, they'll do the idea generation they'll go and look at your competitors they'll do a huge amount of work um, and again it depends on what the scope of the project is. Some businesses just can't afford to do the textbook process that you go through when you're looking to engage in um, in brand construction. Um, so again, be careful. Like a lot of, and shop around, ask people in the industry. Like, I mean, again, the majority is something like 60% of marketing jobs aren't even advertised, 70%, because again, it's all about deliverables. Um, so again, the same thing applies to agencies. There's really, really good agencies there's really, really bad agencies and it's not necessarily about price, but it's about the deliverable at the end. If you get a good agency, they can be worth millions. 
to your organization versus what you're paying in whereas other agencies are going to be a, a time drain they're going to be a resource drain financially um, and the 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 results that you get at the end of it just won't just won't give you anything and i think i would always worry when i walk into an agency and they start talking about what they can do rather than what your business wants to achieve um, and one thing that always is a pet peeve for me when you go in i've i've dealt with um an agency there only in the last maybe within the last say three years i went to them and said look I want to come up with a specific project for for a specific business i was working with and i went into them and said look we need to come up with something creative for a launch and straight away they were like oh yeah we we'll look at rebranding your your logo and we we'll look at rebranding i said hold on hold on now. i never said any of that don't touch the logo we'll just we'll work on the project I said they were selling you they were selling you the a la carte menu yeah. basically yeah. like yeah, like, yeah. yeah but one of the pet peeves I would have when it definitely comes to agencies um, and once again as you said some of them are brilliant at it and some of them work very closely with your company but one of the pet peeves I have is days as you, you were talking about the different menu packages they'll sell you the retainer package and you won't hear them you will not hear from them until next month when the next bill comes out or you know un- unless there's a, something happens that you need them but you literally it could go a month without hearing from them that comes back to what you were saying there earlier on about kind of getting the part-time freelancer getting someone in-house and again like like what what we've done a few times at organizations is we say if, if i look after the strategy you come in 10 hours a week whatever amount of times it needs to be and do the practical kind of implementation side of things and then over time that might evolve into a full-time role once the owner is kind of assured that, um, once the owner is assured that, yeah, this marketing stuff actually generates revenue for me. But then at the other side as well, it also allows them to maximize their resources at a particular moment in time. So if someone came along to me and they said, well, look, I've got 20 grand, and I'm kind of going, right, they've 20 grand, that could get you, and I'm just picking these figures out of the head, that could get you a really junior marketer but with but with but with yeah. no resources, would you be better off getting in a specialist for ten grand? Yeah. They work part time, but then they have ten grand to play with in terms of a budget for content um, creation, for, content creation yeah. for distribution, whatever the case may be. So again, that comes down to the the day to day management, and you're almost scaling your marketing department with your own business and the trajectory of your business, and um, because that's really really important. Because like marketing, you rarely get. And you do hear about it, but you rarely get instant results. Brand building is a months, years process. Well, it's not going to happen overnight. Like, um, it's not going to happen in the first week. Yeah, and you need resources for that. You need people for that. Um, and it needs to be filtered back into an overall into an overall strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose in the time at the moment where we are in terms of businesses, look, we're looking at the possibility of another lockdown again, restriction on uh, business operations, whether it has to be, you know, you shut down the maybe for a restaurant to shut down serving outside takeaway only what do you recommend maybe for some businesses that are looking at this should they invest in marketing we talked a little bit about it in the first episode but do you think businesses what should they be looking at so one thing that i'm surprised that business now maybe maybe they do i just have i just don't come across it that much but i don't understand really why a lot of businesses don't come together um and work with so for example if we if you had um Butcher, baker, candlestick maker—they're all in the same street, shall we say? Or they're all part, but they're they're non-competing businesses, so they're not competing with each other necessarily, or they're indirectly competing with each other, but not directly. Why wouldn't you get together and say, okay, we're going to hire 
a marketing guy who'll work with each of our businesses split the, cost. split the costs we're going to go to an agency to build websites for all of us but we're going to be looking for a 30% discount on the basis that they're getting all of us yeah. um, three websites in the one go um, and start pooling together those resources necessarily to try and actually get the results out of it in terms from a resource mobilization perspective so again that's something that I think could happen a lot more um, and that's maybe again where the consultant kind of comes in where they say okay I'm actually working with two other guys as well I'm going to go to the agency and I'm going to see if I can get you a discount on the basis that there's multiple there's a few of you going for the same stuff um, and again those relationships can be difficult to manage and there's always the politics of oh well you're giving more time to me than you're giving to the business down the road or less time or whatever the case may be but again I think it's it's about punching smart and I realise again, I'm not giving an answer here. This is all context specific depending on your business and what your business goal is and how marketing is a vehicle to help you achieve your business goals through strategy and then the tactics associated with that strategy. I think another thing for businesses not to forget about is yes, you might be looking into COVID coming in the next couple of weeks, but I only sat with a business owner yesterday um, who was actually starting to discuss, and, and so for some businesses this might be late, Some they're absolutely shitting themselves now at the thought of us even saying this, Christmas is coming down the line, it's not too far away, you have to be on top of that. Now COVID is going to kill Christmas, it's going to be depressing, it's, I love Christmas <laughs> so much and it's going to be so bad, it it's going to be heartbreaking. It is. But I want a big present, you know what I'm saying? That's, 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 I'll, get, I'll get you a social antics mug. <laughs> but I think, I think uh, like one thing we were talking about yesterday was is basically a campaign around Christmas that they're going to be offering Click and Collect, where normally this would be an in-store kind of a shop. Um, but basically he was wondering, you know, what's a good way of going about it? Who, should I get someone in to run it for a couple of months? And yes, look, why not? There is loads probably of... Uh, marketers out there looking for projects to get their hands uh, to get their hands on and get involved in so like start reaching out looking for people saying we're interested in someone to come on board whether they have experience as you said in specifically down towards uh, e-commerce or whether it's more so towards social advertising or content creation there is people out there as you said start working together start looking for who's open to, to projects at the moment and, and, and it might benefit your business yeah and again it comes down to what you want to do like I mean if you're like if you've got a specific product that you want to push during Christmas because it's a very it's a high volume high margin type product and that's the only thing that you want to and you don't have a huge amount of resources there for marketing again just do a do a little bit of a scope check how much will it cost me to get in a photographer yeah. a videographer and then pay a marketing guy to basically come in set up my Facebook shopping my Instagram shopping link it in with my website and just press play and go and they give you a report once every two weeks and then you don't have the cost of the ongoing cost of um, hiring someone to yeah. do the social media or whatever the story is now again I think nowadays again it's very easy for us to say the textbook solution yeah you should get someone in house and you should have the agency for the specializations and you should yeah. do this this and this there's a practicality that has to come with doing business during a COVID-19 scenario in general but particularly during a COVID-19 scenario but again if you're looking to shift product and you think marketing is the way to do that then again going to even an agency and saying to them I just want to shift this product that's all I want to do yeah. and they can search it with photographer videographer um, set you up on your Facebook shopping Facebook ads and press play and away you go come back to me and let's see if things are let's see if things are moving again that's not how we would usually do things you usually measure where your conversions are coming from tweaking your targeting yeah. tweaking your budget changing your creative A-B testing that's all the stuff that we would like to do 
but that's not always it's possible. The budget's not there. Yeah, for it's it, not I mean. there for it. So again, there's a practicality that needs to come with making these decisions. But what I would also say to businesses, particularly in the SME space, is try. Try and engage in some marketing activity to drive revenue over these next um, over these next few months. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there for this week's episode. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. And if you have any thoughts on what we talked about, or even any um, you need any advice, or, or uh, reach out to us and we, we'll see what we can do for you. But uh, thanks for listening in. You Who can... the hell is going to ask us for advice after listening to this shite for the last fifty minutes? <laughs> you can contact me personally on contact <laughs> Dave Doyle at Dave Doyle's Agency dot Agency. That's a gem. The agency of me, myself, and yeah. there. No, thanks very much everyone for listening. Follow us on social media and uh, we'll see you again next week. Take care. Talk to you.